Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Farzim Vasugian, and this is the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm your host, and a lot of Chiefs news to get into, a lot of Chiefs talk on this episode, a lot to get into, so little time to waste. If you guys want to get involved with the show, you can do so in a couple of easy ways. Facebook and Twitter, you guys can interact with me on there, facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugian. You guys can also send me a tweet at Farzim21, follow me on Twitter as well. And make sure you like and follow me on Facebook. You can email me, farzine at farzinevasugian.com. Plus, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And share the links with your friends. Like I said, a lot to get into on this episode. As always, we will do our closing segments. A lot of interesting topics in the closing segments, including Travis Scott. If you remember, he was the... Guy who kind of screwed up the Super Bowl halftime show a little bit this year. But uh, what did he do this time? It actually impacts Kansas City. Or it involves Kansas City, I should say. So we'll talk about that and much more in the closing segments. We're going to talk about the Chiefs' defensive staff. It is now complete. They added another notable name to the defensive coaching staff. And it's pretty good, man. I'm really excited about this coaching staff. I know we talked about this a lot last week. There is an update with uh, Brandon Daly and his title with the Chiefs. What he'll be doing, so we'll talk about that. We'll also look at the Chiefs draft for the first two rounds. Obviously, they have three picks in the top 64 uh, selections. And I think they'll be really surprised as to what some people have the Chiefs doing with those three picks. I'm going to read you guys some of the uh, expert predictions, some of the mock drafts, and what the pundits think. The Chiefs will do. Also, what can we expect from the Chiefs in terms of their primetime schedule for 2019? Plus, I've got a really funny Mahomes story that I was told from somebody, someone from the local KC media. And something that I teased last week, something I'm really excited about, Mean Tweets, Chiefs Zone Edition. I, I, I compiled and I kind of expanded on Facebook as well and some other social media platforms. Uh, other websites perhaps, but mean tweets. I gathered some of your, uh, some. Of, I, I, I've been praising you guys quite a lot on Facebook lately, saying how, how great you guys are. And by the way, we're close to, uh, I mentioned, I think just a couple of weeks ago, we reached 4,000 likes. We've, we're about to go to 4,100. I mentioned, hey, the deal that I made with you guys, if we can get to 5,000, I'll give away one signed Mahomes uh, item. Uh, if we get to 7,500, we'll make it two, and 10,000, we'll make it three. Very easy to invite your friends. I mentioned last episode how to do how to do so. I've given you guys a lot of props on social media, and really how much you guys have helped the Facebook page grow. However, you guys have all not all of you guys have been nice about it. A couple of mean comments here and there. So hey, look, we gotta get, acknowledge everybody on this podcast, right? So we are gonna do our mean tweets. At the end of the podcast. So I'm very excited about that. And hopefully you guys are as well. Man, uh, I don't know what to say about all the snow craziness. One of the craziest winters we've had in Kansas City. I I posted the video that Dante Jones of KCTV5 shared on social media. uh, Of that massive pileup on I-70. Just brutal. Uh, Somebody, if I'm not mistaken, someone in in the front of that pile did end up dying, uh, just tragic and horrible. Uh, I don't even know how police officers get to the scene and, and, and try to organize the chaos there and try to get to wherever they need to 
whenever they they try to get to a car accident, the 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 traffic coordinators, whoever, uh, that is never an easy thing. Uh, but man, uh, hopefully you guys are staying safe out there. I know there's supposed to be another snowstorm, not a, a terrible one, but uh, another one on the way this weekend just feels like it's never ending. I don't think we've had this kind of a snowstorm since January and February of 2013. Really that winter lasted all the way through April. Crazy, crazy one. Uh, by the way, I did mention last week that this would be the last episode and we would not do an episode next week. So here's what's going on. My intention is to go on a bit of a break. However, uh, no promises that this will happen. I can uh, promise you that I'll try my best, but there has been communication going on. Uh, this this is something that I've been working on for quite a while. In fact, I've been planning this for a while, and now it's been in motion for a bit. And, and this week, I have actually been making progress with this. We are... Trying to book a guest on this podcast, a very, very, very notable name on uh, on this podcast. So, uh, trust me, I'd like a one week break. But uh, if there is an opportunity to get this person on the podcast, I'm not taking a break, man. I will gladly do this interview because uh, I think it's very important, and I hope you guys think it's important as well. Um, so, and again, the reason I'm saying this, I, I usually don't mention things like this but the reason i'm saying this is because uh i want you guys to be on the lookout on social media and on itunes or wherever you uh download your podcast that there may be another podcast sometime in the next few days maybe next week i don't know uh but i am working really really hard to make this happen because this would be uh really informal uh for everybody and i think this would be uh, really cool to have. Uh, again, I can't say the details on this because sometimes these things, unfortunately, don't go as planned. But uh, the wheels are turning on this. And I'm really optimistic that we can make it happen. But again, no promises, no details further than that. Uh, but I'm letting you guys know, if we do an episode in the next couple of days, that's why. There may be another episode. And look, I'll be on vacation sometime in March, so I can take the podcast break sometime then but uh if i get to take the break i'll take the break but if not i will be thrilled to do a podcast next week so then again it may not be on a friday maybe a lot sooner because i want to get this published as soon as possible so just want to let you guys know that is a possibility for next week with that said out of the way uh i want to go into this chief's defensive coaching staff there's been a bit of an update and the coaching staff is now complete the chiefs have confirmed their entire defensive coaching staff another notable name has been added first let me just recap obviously we know steve spagnolo the defensive coordinator was hired just a couple of days after the chiefs had fired bob sutton and then they hired brandon daly matt house and david merritt as position coaches i went over these guys quite a lot in a recent episode, so I don't want to go into the details of these guys. David Merritt, defensive backs coach. Matt House, the linebackers coach. Uh, Brandon Daly is the interesting one. I want to touch on him just a little bit here. He's going to be the defensive line coach coming in from New England. Uh, however, he's also got another title added on to his name, and that is the run game coordinator. Very interesting. I'll get to that shortly. Uh, Britt Reed, who is Andy Reed's son, he is going to remain on the staff as a linebackers slash outside linebackers coach. That is what's listed on the Chiefs uh, press release here. Uh, Terry Braddon, 
He is the defensive quality control coach, and Alex Whittingham, the defensive assistant. The Kansas City Star mentioned that uh, Brett Reed, or excuse me, Britt Reed, Andy Reed's son, is the only position coach who was retained on defense. I guess it's a little, a little obvious why he was retained, uh, but working a different position than he did last year. Last year, he was a defensive line coach. Now he is moving to linebackers. The Kansas City Star also pointed out the only defensive coaching members that are keeping the same jobs that they had from 2018 to 2019 now with the team, it is Terry Braddon and Alex Whittingham. And I mentioned uh, Braddon's the defensive quality control coach and Whittingham the defensive assistant on the football team. Not nope, not position coaches. To be clear, uh, Britt Reed is a position coach coming back, but changing to a different position. But uh, Braddon and Whittingham are the only ones that are keeping the exact same jobs that they had from 2018. Now I want to go back to Brandon Daly, and I'll get to Sam Madison in a moment. He is going to be the defensive backs slash cornerbacks coach, and I'm very excited for that. I'll get into that shortly, but. Brandon Daly, run game coordinator. So Spagnuolo is going to be the defensive coordinator, but some of the coordination, I guess, will be handed off to Brandon Daly to an extent. Kind of kind of like how Matt Nagy and Brad Childress were co-offensive coordinators. You generally don't see that in the NFL. You see it quite a bit in college football where you see co-offensive coordinators or co-defensive coordinators, but you don't often see co-coordinators in the NFL, the Chiefs recently had that with Matt Nagy and Brad Childress. And obviously, we know Brad Childress, he moved on. And Nagy, of course, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, reigning AP Coach of the Year. But for Brandon Daly, a guy who was anticipating the defensive coordinator role with, uh, with excuse me, not Pittsburgh, but the uh, Patriots, the New England Patriots, after Brian Flores went on to Miami, a lot of people thought that Brandon Daly would have been the defensive coordinator in New England. Not the case. So Brandon Daly comes to Kansas City. Not only is he the defensive line coach, but will also be the run game coordinator. So he has a a little bit more of a responsibility as a position coach. He's got a little bit of responsibility with this defense. And being the defensive line coach, look, it all starts there, especially when it comes to trying to stop the run. So it makes sense to give him some of those responsibilities as a run game coordinator. If you guys remember Todd Haley, when he was with the Chicago Bears, if I'm not mistaken, before coming to Kansas City, and this is, of course, before he went to Arizona as well, uh, he was the passing game coordinator for the Chicago Bears. I remember Brad Childress, before he was an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, he uh, had a title called Special Projects, whatever that meant. Uh, so, so you see this on some teams where you have a passing game coordinator or a run game coordinator. Uh, you, you see these kinds of titles on some of the teams. Not all of them make that kind of thing public. Look at the Patriots. They didn't have anyone publicly have the title defensive coordinator, yet Brian Flores was still credited as the guy that handled a majority of the coordination on the defense, so to say. And that, of course, landed him the job as a head coach. So Brandon Daly, and and here's my guess, if Brandon Daly does a good job as a defensive line coach slash run game coordinator... I think this is going to be his only year with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's going to move on and probably get a defensive coordinator job somewhere else in the NFL. And look, I know Chiefs fans might not like hearing that, but 
I, just being honest here, that, that, that's actually a good thing. Look, I said this last week, but I'll say it again. If you have guys that are wanting to be interviewed for head coaches or other coordinator jobs, for example, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, and this year it was Eric Bieniemy, although he still stayed in Kansas City, uh, it's a good thing. That, that there's a reason why people are wanting your coaches. You look at the defensive side of the football, uh, Brandon Daly, Matt House, David Merritt, those are all position coaches with the Chiefs. Those are all guys tabbed as future defensive coordinators in the NFL. None of them have been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Matt House was a defensive coordinator just recently coming out of Kentucky. But these guys are bound to leave very soon. Within two years, I don't think Daly, House, and Merritt are going to be here. And that's a good thing. Hopefully. Uh, 90% of the time, that generally means that your coaching staff is doing a great job and other teams want them. They want to give them bigger roles. Maybe Spagnuolo is going to stay as a defensive coordinator. And Brandon Daly says, hey, look, I appreciate the opportunity. There are other uh, bigger opportunities out there for me. I want to take them. And NFL franchises, for the most part, respect that. And they want these guys to go get bigger opportunities if that's the case. And listen, look at guys like Sam Madsen, Britt Reed, Terry Braddon, and Alex Whittingham. Guys who are essentially assistant defensive coaches on the staff right now, those guys will replace Daily House and Merritt, and they'll do just as good as they did. That's how coaching staffs work. Look at Bill Belichick. Look at all the coaches he he's had on the defensive side. Defensive coordinators who've been hired: Romeo Cornell. Um, uh, his name escapes my mind right now, but the guy who was with the Detroit Lions right now, uh, Matt Patricia. Uh, forgot his name for a moment. Matt, Matt Patricia is what I, who I was thinking of. Uh, Brian Flores. Those are all guys, defensive coordinators, who went on to get head coaching jobs. Now, whether they did good or not, that's not relevant to the case. Uh, the fact is, there's a reason why so many people wanted to get those guys as head coaches. Then you look at the offensive side. What Bill Belichick had to work with. He, he had Charlie Weiss. He moved on. And then you had Josh McDaniels. And he moved on, but then came back. But look, uh, even though you've had turnover on the defensive side, you've still had a lot of great coordinators still coming and replace the other guy, Cronell Patricia Flores. You never failed there. And then on the offensive side, you had Weiss, you had McDaniels, and I don't know who it was after McDaniels, but then you went back to McDaniels. I mean, it, it just works out in the end. As long as you're a good head coach, which Andy Reid is, despite not having a ring at this point in his career, there's a reason why his coaching staffs in Philadelphia and Kansas City, uh, I mean, there, there have been guys on those coaching staffs that have been requested for interviews for coordinator jobs or head coaching jobs. So I'm very excited about this coaching staff. And I didn't even mention Sam Matson. Yeah, I, I mentioned his name a couple times, but not necessarily his resume First time going to be a coach in the NFL. Nine-year cornerback for the Miami Dolphins and three more with the Giants under Steve Spagnuolo's defense. So he's got some familiarity there, which is always good. He won a Super Bowl with the Giants, four-time Pro Bowler with the Miami Dolphins. And by the way, that Giants Super Bowl win was the one against the Patriots as they were trying to aim for perfection and unable to do so. Of course, that's the same game where David Tyree had that incredible catch 
against Rodney Harrison. Uh, by the way, Madsen is also a four-time All-Pro selection. Uh, twice on first team, twice on second team. He co-led the NFL in interceptions in 1999 with seven. Five players total had f- seven interceptions that year. Donnie Abram of the Bucks, Troy Vincent of the Eagles, Rod Woodson of the Ravens, Sam Madsen of the Chiefs, and, or excuse me, Sam Madsen of, uh, of the Dolphins, rather, and then James Hasty from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he also had seven interceptions. So five different players, seven INTs. One of them a former Kansas City Chiefs cornerback. And the other one now a Kansas City Chiefs assistant in Sam Madison. So Sam Madison does have a bit of a, a bit of a good resume. Again, never coached before. Uh, but again, four-time Pro Bowler. Uh, and I think the role you're giving him, certainly a good one to start off with uh, to kick off his coaching career in the NFL. Once again, I'll say it before. I'll say it again. I am very excited for this defense. They, they There will be improvement. Just based off coaching changes alone. And I'm willing to make this statement right now. The Chiefs finishing the NFL 31st. Man, I would be surprised. If, just based on coaching alone. If this defense did not finish in the top half of the NFL. Top 16. If I had to put money, I'd say they probably do become a top 10 overall defense. I think that's how big of an improvement this defense will make in 2019. Now, speaking of the defense, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network reported that outside linebacker, potentially now a defensive end, D. Ford, is expected to be tagged by the Kansas City Chiefs. And he mentioned that the team has personnel decisions to make on the defensive side of the football with a new defensive coordinator, especially when you switch from the 3-4 to the 4-3 scheme. And more notably mentioned the names Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Uh, let me address D4 for a moment, and then I'll get to Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Uh, look, I, I am all for this. Uh, I would prefer uh, a long-term deal, but I can understand Going for the tag. Uh, do what you need to do to keep D. Ford. The Chiefs may feel that he needs to prove for one more year that he can stay healthy and be consistently good. Here's why. 2014. Didn't play a whole lot for the Chiefs. Had one and a half sacks. Didn't start a single game. Was playing behind two pro bowlers. Behind Justin Houston and Tom Bahali. In 2015, we saw a bit more of D. Ford. Especially during that 10 game winning streak. To wrap up the regular season, had four sacks and had five starts at the end of the season. Then in 2016, that was a big year for D. Ford. And 15 games started, 14 of them had 10 sacks. However, all 10 of them came in the first half of the season. The only other time he got a sack was in the playoff game. That was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And by the way, he also had a forced fumble that year, his first career forced fumble. 2017, played in six games, had only two sacks. Injuries really limited him in 2017, had one forced fumble as well. But 2018 was a breakout year for D. Ford. 16 games started, career high in total tackles with 55, career high in sacks with 13, and a career high tying uh, the league leader, with seven forced fumbles. And let me say something about the 13 sacks. He competed with his own teammates. Justin Houston and Chris Jones. And still had 13 sacks. That's never an easy thing to do. To have double digit sacks when you've got someone else on your team. 
that has double-digit sacks, and Justin Houston one sack away from having double-digit sacks, and a team that co-led the NFL with the Steelers with 52. So here's what the Chiefs want from D. Ford, because he just finished his second career 16-game season. First since his rookie year, the Chiefs want to make sure D. Ford can play consistently. Not only that, look at 2016. He had 10 sacks, all of them in the first year. You want to be able to do that throughout a 16-game season. D. Ford managed to do that in the 2018 season. And that's why if he does that during the year he's tagged, assuming the Chiefs follow through with that report, then D. Ford has to go out there, prove himself, and hopefully after that he will score big with a long-term deal and hopefully staying in Kansas City. And I really hope Justin Houston also stays in Kansas City long-term because, look, man, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on this guy here. Uh, A lot of people are leaning towards that. I'm not. Eric Berry, uh, man, I I don't even know what to say about Eric Berry at this point. Everybody feels like, it, it, it seems like people have turned their backs on Eric Berry. Most Chiefs fans seem to be in favor of moving on from him. Will he have surgery? Will it help? Will he be ready by the time training camp gets underway, uh, listen, let me just say this. Barry is a very, very rare safety. Now, look, being a rare safety means nothing if you're unavailable. I get that. But I'd like to think the worst is behind us because if, if the worst is yet to come with Eric Barry with his injuries, man, I don't know what to make of that. I would be shocked if it came down to that. I think Eric Berry, the worst is behind him. I, I mean, we saw him play a little bit more. I don't know if he's had surgery by now or, or what's going to happen with him, if he's going to follow through with that, when that's all going to happen and when he'll be ready. But you have to be very careful with your decision here. He has carried this defense before when healthy. It's not easy for a safety to carry a defense or carry a football team. Eric Berry did that in 2016. If he doesn't do what he did against the Falcons and against the Panthers that year in 2016, boy, he does not. Oh, first off, he he, he did get a vote for defense, or uh, he got a few votes for defensive player of the year. If I'm not mistaken, he got one vote for MVP. If I'm not mistaken, if he doesn't do that, he's not even in, in, in consideration for those awards. And not only that. I don't know if the Chiefs are able to sneak into the playoffs in 2016. I don't know if it happens. I don't know. If you release him or trade him, can you get Landon Collins and or Earl Thomas? You were very close to getting Earl Thomas via trade from the Seahawks uh, before the deadline. And Landon Collins, as we know, uh, played under Spagnuolo with the Giants. Would be a great addition for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'd love that. I'm not quite sure where I really lean on this Eric Berry thing, man. Uh, I'm, I am I try to be optimistic with these things. I really love the coaching staff in place. And I think Eric Berry can do some good things with Spagnolo as his defensive coordinator. And Merritt as his position coach. I'm going to lean towards keeping Eric Berry. I definitely am leaning towards keeping Justin Houston, and here's why. Justin Houston, despite missing four games, had nine sacks, which tied 24th in the NFL. I know, that doesn't sound exciting. 
but bear with me for a moment. He had five forced fumbles in 2018. That was fifth best in the NFL. By the way, D. Ford, I mentioned earlier, first in the NFL in that category. Justin Houston also had three fumble recoveries. That tied second in the NFL. Number one, Alan Bailey. Alan Bailey had more fumble recoveries than anybody in the NFL. And I know that's that, not the most, again, it's more of a, you got to be at the right place at the right time kind of thing. But uh, listen, man, there's a reason why good players are getting more fumble recoveries than the bad ones. There's a reason for that as well. So again, nine sacks, five forced fumbles. And let me go back to the nine sacks because I said I'd address this. I know tying 24th isn't exciting, but you had Chris Jones and you had D Ford and you have Justin Houston and Alan Bailey did some good things too. It was like a competition between these four guys. Who could get to the quarterback first? Who could beat their assignment on uh, on a pass block and get to the quarterback first? It was a competition between these four guys. And sometimes it was Justin Houston. Sometimes it was Alan Bailey. Most of the time it was Chris Jones and D. Ford. So to have nine sacks despite missing four games on a team that had 52 overall. Man, I think that's a very, very underlooked stat right there uh and again he missed four games fifth in the nfl and forced fumbles tied second in fumble recoveries in the 12 games he played kansas city can really build a better defense by keeping houston with ford and jones i think it would be a huge mistake to let justin houston go out of kansas city now i mentioned cap numbers on facebook let me mention this on the podcast too, so we're clear. Justin Houston has a cap number of $21.1 million for 2019. These are all 2019 numbers, just to be clear. Eric Berry's cap number, $16.5 million. Justin Houston is first on the team. Eric Berry is third. For those wondering who's second, that's Sammy Watkins with a cap number of $19.2 million. If you cut Justin Houston after June 1st, there is a big difference in how much the Chiefs could save uh, and what kind of dead money they'd end up with. Same thing goes for Eric Berry. Uh, if you cut Justin Houston before June 1st, dead money, $7.1 million. Cap savings, $14 million. If you cut him after June 1st, bit of a difference there. $5.6 million for dead money. That's uh, $1.5 million of a difference there. And then the cap savings after June 1st would be $15.5 million. Again, $1.5 million more. Eric Berry, this is very interesting. This is very, very interesting. If you cut Eric Berry before June 1st, you have uh, $14.95, almost $15 million in dead money. Cap savings, only one and a half, a little bit more than $1.5 million. Not much. I know that sounds a lot to you and I, but not a whole lot for an NFL team. Now, this is where things get very intriguing. After Eric Berry, if you were to cut him after June 1st, dead money, $6.95 million. And as for cap savings, oh boy, it's a big jump here. An $8 million difference, pardon me, $9.55 million in cap savings. So there is a chance that Eric Berry could get cut after June 1st. Would I be in favor of that, man? Uh, you're you're letting go of a very, very good state. First off, I'd rather trade him than cut him. But even then, I'd rather keep Eric Berry. Especially when you're making this transition on defense. 
Keep the best players that you have. Again, I know we haven't seen much from Eric Berry the past two years. I get that. But I'd like to think the worst of his injury is behind us. I I hope. I'm not a doctor. I'm no expert in this field. Uh, I'm just trying to think think logically here. Uh, I mean, you would think the, the worst is behind. But I don't know for sure. I'd like to think that's the case. Let me know your thoughts. Is it worth cutting Eric Berry after June 1st or trading him before then? Justin Houston, I mean, I read you the numbers. He put up good numbers on a team that had really good pass rushers in 2018. And he missed four games. I feel like if he has that double-digit sack number, I feel like Chiefs fans would have just a bit of a different tone when talking about Justin Houston. I don't know. That's just me. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, we've we've got discussions about this going on. Like I said, never too late to join in. Facebook.com slash Farzian and feel free to send me a tweet at Farzian21. Now, C. Sagnolo did have a conference call this past week. Didn't have a whole lot of interesting things to say. Talked about some of the connections he had and guys that he brought in to the coaching staff in Kansas City. Uh, like I said, not a lot of groundbreaking things to say. Uh, Sam Mellinger of the Kansas City Star wrote something very interesting and said, look, this is a very good time for a reset, moving on to the 4-3 scheme. And this is actually a better fit for guys like Breland Speaks, who the Chiefs drafted, and he played behind D. Ford and Justin Houston for the most part. Anthony Hitchens, uh, Derek uh, Nadi, Chris Jones, Justin Houston, D. Ford. He didn't mention Reggie Raglan, but I'll go ahead and throw that name in there because even though he never played a regular season game as a 4-3 linebacker, he did practice that scheme under that scheme as an outside linebacker with the Buffalo Bills in an offseason a couple of years ago before coming to Kansas City. We've talked we've talked about this a lot. And we keep discussing it. There's not much more new info to really go off of here with this defensive scheme. Other than the fact that we just got to wait for free agency and the draft. The Chiefs do have three picks in the top 64. One late first rounder and two late second rounders. And again, I'll say it before. I don't care if they're late round picks. In 2016, the Chiefs picked up Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones outside of the first round. In uh, 2017, Patrick Mahomes was picked 10th overall, and the Chiefs had to trade up to get him. And uh, looking back, I think a lot of people would agree that Patrick Mahomes should have been taken number one overall in 2017. Uh, So look, uh, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, two really good running backs that were taken in the third round. Justin Houston was taken in the third round. Travis Kelsey also a third round pick. The Chiefs have had a lot of great luck in the third round. So I'm not going to sit here and be pessimistic over the fact that they have a late round first round pick and two late second rounders because from Kansas City's draft history, that means absolutely nothing. Speaking of the draft, looking ahead uh, in late April for Kansas City, the Chiefs have the 29th overall pick, and then they have the 61st and 63rd picks in the second round. Here are some of the expert predictions, uh, some of the mock drafts out there as to who the Chiefs are picking. Let's look at the 29th overall pick first, and then we'll go to the 61st and 63rd picks. Here are some of the experts and who they have the Chiefs picking 29th overall. Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, friend of the podcast, he has the Chiefs Picking DeAndre Baker, cornerback out of Georgia, said the defense needs drastic improvements and that Baker is a dream player for Spagnuolo's scheme. Uh, Not fast, not very fast, but has great length and awareness. 
for a cornerback. Walter Football, who does a great job with his mock drafts, uh, he has a Chiefs picking Dexter Lawrence, a defensive tackle from Clemson, really good at stopping the run and pressuring the quarterback. And by the, the analysis that I'm giving you, it, it's what these guys wrote for these players, uh, for these specific picks, so keep that in mind. Um, some of them don't have uh, a lot of analysis. That's more so for the 61st and 63rd picks, but I'll get to that shortly. Uh, Charlie Casterly, another familiar name uh, of NFL.com. He has the Chiefs picking Jerry Tillery, a defensive lineman from Notre Dame. Uh, Casterly said that he will be, according to his own mock draft, the best defensive player available on the board at that point, and he can help Kansas City improve it's pass rush. I thought that was a very interesting analysis because I don't know if the Chiefs need a lot of improvements when it comes to pass rushing because they led the uh, co-led the league with 52 sacks. I'm looking more for run-stopping guys. That's what I want to see in this draft. Chad Ruder, also of NFL.com, he has Jachi Polite. I hope that's how you pronounce it. An edge defender, so either a 3-4 outside linebacker or a 4-3 defensive end out of Florida, a junior, he actually predicts that D Ford hits the market. Very interesting prediction from Chad Reuter. And that's why he thinks Jockey Polite will end up in Kansas City. Mel Kuyper of ESPN has the Chiefs picking Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State. Questions if Eric Berry will return to his old form. Abram can stop the run and also play well against the pass. So that's another interesting comment from Mel Kuyper. Kind of concerned about Eric Berry's status with the team in, in 2019, if he'll ever return to his old form, uh, like the one in 2016 that we saw. Uh, but Mel Kuyper thinks that Jonathan Abram would be a good replacement. And the last one with the 29th overall pick, Luke Easterling of USA Today has the Chiefs picking a safety as well, but he has Deontay Thompson, a safety out of Alabama, rangy athletic playmaker that could help Kansas City become a more three-dimensional defense. So everybody that I read from, let's see, we had six different analysts, and all six of them in their mock drafts picked a defensive player. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, if I had to pick my favorite of the uh, of the list, I'd have to go with Walter Football's uh, pick and Dexter Lawrence because the Chiefs desperately need help stopping the run. Whatever you can do to find run stuffers this offseason, go get them because that will drastically improve Kansas City's defense. And I think some work on tackling. I mean, if this defense learns to tackle... Even if you return the same exact players for 2019, if this defense can tackle better, which hopefully this coaching staff, this new coaching staff can can help improve on, then I think the Chiefs will improve in so many areas alone just based off that. I can't believe how many times last year the Chiefs were able to close in on ball carriers, whether it was running backs or receivers on a short pass, and they could not wrap up and bring guys down. That was a huge part of why Kansas City's defense was so bad. And that alone... I hope can make a big difference for Kansas City's defense in 2019. Now let's move on to the 61st and 63rd picks. One thing to note, a lot of times with these mock drafts, first of all, you don't see a lot of mock drafts outside of the first round. Very few people do a second round or a three rounder or an entire mock draft. We still have to wait on some of the um, compensatory picks, but, but by then you'll see some more seven-round mock drafts, but for right now, there aren't a lot. There are some people willing to do two-round mock drafts, and we found a couple, uh, some we already mentioned their names, and I'll mention 
who they have no analysis given for these because they're outside of the first round. Honestly, man, mock drafts outside of the first round, they, it's a crapshoot. It really, really is. Uh, but with that said, Walter Football has the Chiefs picking uh, 61st. Nassar Adderley, the safety out of Delaware, and Vashon Joseph, the linebacker from Florida. Chad Reuter of NFL.com has the Chiefs taking Rakia Sin, uh, the cornerback from Temple, and then Juan Thornhill, safety out of Virginia. So a pair of defensive backs in the second round for the Chiefs from Chad Reuter. Luke Easterling of USA Today, Lonnie Johnson, a cornerback from Kentucky, uh, has familiarity with Matt House, so there would be that connection there. Also, Gerald Willis, defensive lineman from Miami, Florida. So the three pundits I mentioned, all of them have defensive players. They all had defensive players in the first round for the Chiefs, the 29th pick. And they're also predicting that the Chiefs will go defense again, 61st and 63rd. This is very interesting. Matt Miller, who... A lot of people probably think is one of the best when it comes to scouting and mock drafts. He went completely different on this one. I was very surprised. He has David Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State. If you're a Big 12 football fan or if you follow Big 12 football closely, you're familiar with him uh, if you're in Big 12 country here, which a lot of listeners are. Uh, So he's got David Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State, as a potential replacement for Kareem Hunt, who has moved on to Cleveland also has a center, Garrett Bradbury, from North Carolina State, a Wolfpack, coming to KC uh, with the second second-round pick. Very interesting choices. Uh, look, I'm not in favor of David Montgomery, and here's why. I think he's going to be a great running back, especially if he does play under Andy Reid, but I like who the Chiefs have at running back with Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and if they can bring back Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West. I was shocked that Charkandrick West was available for all of 2018. I don't know what happened with him and the Jets, but I was very shocked that he was not on a roster for 2018. I really was. Uh, Because I think he can be a good number two running back on any NFL team. And for him to not even be considered as one of 53 for a roster... Uh, I question that. I'm not quite sure why that's the case. So I'm not in favor of David Montgomery coming to KC because I like Kansas City's running back situation if they can bring back everybody. But even then, I don't know if I'd be in favor of a running back that early for Kansas City, especially when you have other needs on the defensive side of the football. I would not mind a guy like Garrett Bradbury, who is a center, but... Uh, if the Chiefs can bring back Mitch Morse, maybe Matt Miller's prediction is that Mitch Morse moves on. Uh, I really hope Mitch Morse returns because he has not a lot of sack in, since his rookie year in 2015. And maybe Bradbury could convert to another position on the offensive line. I'm not quite sure how that would work out. We do see that a lot with offensive linemen drafted uh, for teams. Uh, but I, I, I would be in favor if the Chiefs drafted an offensive lineman. I honestly, depending on how, how the Chiefs do in free agency... I would not be opposed if the Chiefs went after an offensive lineman with the 29th pick. If you gave me the option, if I'm the one calling the shots, look, I I would love it if the Chiefs got an offensive lineman and two defensive players with those three picks. I think that would be best case scenario. You're trying to improve and add depth on both sides of the football. Offensively, really your biggest weakness, your only weakness was on the offensive line. A little bit more improvements can be made. Uh, and look, there are some things, a little bit of things that Patrick Mahomes needs to touch up on, as well as Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Look, it wasn't perfect all the time. 
Uh, we saw a couple of drops from those two pro bowlers. It happens to everyone. That's okay. Uh, but for the most part, the Chiefs do have a really crowded offense. Now, they might need a new backup tight end with Demetrius Harris possibly moving on. Again, at running back, uh, you only have two under contract right now. So it's understandable if you draft one at some point in this draft. But I don't want it to be too early. Because I think you can get any running back that will succeed under Andy Reid. So I'd be for a running back in the third round. Nothing earlier than that. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzivisugi and Twitter.com slash Farzivisugi 21. I gave you guys some of the national experts and what they think the Chiefs will do with the 29th, 61st, and 63rd picks in the 2019 NFL Draft. Very interesting to see Matt Miller go after two offensive guys. With those two second round picks. But everybody else going heavy defense with those first three picks. Now leading up to the NFL Draft. The week of the NFL Draft we always get the schedule release. We always find out who plays on primetime. Who plays who when. Uh, The opponents are already confirmed. In fact they were confirmed as soon as all the week 17 games were over. But now... We have an idea as to who the opponents will be. We just need to see the schedule come out for 2019. Now, before I touch on that, I want to look back to 2018 because NFL Network uh, released its top 20 games of 2018. And the Chiefs very well represented on this list. And in fact, they've been airing these top 20 games throughout the week. The number 18 game on the list, Chiefs versus Seahawks Sunday Night Football in Seattle. That was in Week 16. The 13th best game, according to NFL Network, Chiefs versus Ravens. The rally from the Chiefs to force overtime and win in Week 14. And the 6th best game, Chiefs versus Chargers. The Thursday Night Football game where the Chargers rallied late to win, going for 2 to steal one at Arrowhead. Number three. Chiefs versus Patriots. Which one? Sunday Night Football Week 6. The second best Chiefs game of the year. Or second best NFL game of the year. Which happens to be the second best Chiefs game of the year. Uh, Chiefs versus Rams. Monday Night Football Week 11. Both teams scored 50. Never happened before in the history of Monday Night Football. The best NFL game of 2018. Technically 2019, Chiefs versus Patriots, AFC Championship game. Now look, the Chiefs made this list six times. And in these six games, they're one in five. When I posted this list on Facebook, I knew that was going to be the narrative from you guys in the comment section. I I understand that. Uh, but look, the Chiefs have had top-notch games the year before and the year before that that were candidates for game of the year. So look, maybe this just wasn't Kansas City's year when it came to game big games in primetime. Uh, not a bad thing. And look, the Chiefs are obviously competing with the best of the best, but they need to find a way to, to close out games a little, bit, a little bit better, like against the Rams, against the Patriots in both, both games. Uh, the Chargers as well. Uh, Got to find ways to do better there where the Chiefs had leads, but unable to finish in those games. And I think that defensive coaching staff, which we keep going back to in this podcast, it seems like, that will make the big difference. And that will allow the Chiefs to be able to win these kinds of football games in 2019. But speaking of 2019, I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. The Chiefs are getting six primetime games. 
One of them we know for a fact will be the Chargers uh, game in Mexico City. That will be very likely a Monday Night Football game. I mentioned before, the past scheduled Mexico City games, the Raiders and the Patriots, that was a Monday Night Football game. And then the Chiefs and Rams, that was supposed to be a Monday Night Football game. Uh, That was scheduled uh, to happen on Monday Night Football in Mexico. I said it was supposed to be Monday Night Football. It stayed on Monday Night. I meant to say it, um, it was meant to happen. In Mexico City, not the case, but the Chiefs and Rams both uh, expected to play in Mexico this year, but obviously not against each other. So I'm, and by the way, uh, two of the top three games are Chiefs versus Patriots. Chiefs versus Patriots, AFC Championship game, number one on the list. Chiefs versus Patriots, Sunday Night Football, number three on the list. So... I understand that the NFL has its 100-year anniversary and they want to open up the year with a classic game of Packers-Bears. Screw that game, man. You've got to put the best two teams head-to-head. And that's got to be Chiefs versus Patriots. That has to be your NFL kickoff game, just like two years ago when the Chiefs went over to Foxborough and they pulled off a huge upset to open up the 2017 season. So I expect the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots to open up the NFL season. Now, forget about the 100-year anniversary, man. you got to go out there and put the best game possible to open up the year. And for the NFL in 2019, it is Chiefs versus Patriots. So not only am I expecting the Chiefs to play six primetime games or to be scheduled for six primetime games, I expect a lot of 325 kickoff games. And I mentioned 325 because you don't see a whole lot of 325. And this is, of course, Central Standard Time. You don't see a lot of 325 p.m. games. Uh, you only see, what, probably four or five at the most, with the exception of Week 17. So, I think the Chiefs are going to be in a lot of 325 games. The Chiefs are not going to have a lot of noon games this year, folks. They're just not. And that is a great thing. That means the Chiefs are going to be a highly watched team in 2019. So, they'll have their six primetime games. And then they'll have a lot of 325 games so even though they're not primetime games, because there are not a lot of 325 games, a lot of people across the country are going to have a chance to see the Chiefs quite a lot on TV in 2019. And a lot of you guys have complained that you have to go on a stream to find Chiefs football because you're not in the Kansas City area. Well, guess what? I think in 2019, uh, you're going you're gonna to like what you're going to see from the Chiefs schedule. They're going to have a lot of 325 games Outside of the six primetime games. I, the six primetime games has to be a given for, to me. It, it just has to be. You were on the, the the top 20 list six times. You just were. So I anticipate that the Chiefs are going to have six primetime games. And I think they'll have six more 325 games. And as far as the new game goes, I think the Chiefs are going to have Jim Nance and Tony Romo, the, the A broadcast team is what they call it. Therefore, they'll be aired in a lot of markets for 2019. So that is something to look forward to. And don't forget, the Chiefs do have three former players who are uh, going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tony Gonzalez, Johnny Robinson, and Ty Law. Now, Ty Law not going to go in as a Chief. But he's going to go in as a Patriot, of course. But still, three former Chiefs players. And very likely, the Chiefs, probably against the Patriots, uh, are gonna square off in that Hall of Fame game, and you might be saying, "Why would you? Uh, why would the NFL schedule 
a uh, a game between two teams that are already going to happen in the regular season. Well, look, they did it last year. The Rams and the Saints, they played each other in the preseason. They played each other in the regular season and again in the playoffs, in the NFC Championship game, in that epic ending where Saints fans just want to focus on that one missed call. Yet they're forgetting that their quarterback threw an INT in overtime. Never forget that. But again, I think the Chiefs are not only going to be on primetime TV a lot. Uh, the maximum is six games, so I think they get the six games. But there's there, there, there will be a lot of opportunities to see the Chiefs on games that a lot of people across the country are going to see them. And that is where the 325 games come into place. I think there may even be a game where the Chiefs are scheduled to play at noon, and it will be flexed to 325. Now, before we go to our closing segments, I want to share a funny home story for just a moment. So, somebody who I know of shared me this uh, information. Uh, one of the local TV stations, I won't go into detail as to which one, but one of the local TV stations in Kansas City got an email from a, I guess, a, a viewer. She probably emailed other stations. Who knows? Uh, but this station in specific, I found out, they got an email from this woman she she wanted help. She wanted help from the local TV stations uh, to give her husband a special Valentine's Day gift, in uh, uh, which her uh, husband is a masseur, and she wanted uh, the TV station to get to provide her Patrick Mahomes' phone number, <laughs> not only to to provide the number, but so she could call Patrick Mahomes. And have Patrick Mahomes show up to her husband's workplace and get a massage for free. That was her attempted Valentine's Day gift to her husband. <laughs> um, look, first of all, if I was if I was the guy and Patrick Mahomes comes to my place, look, buddy, you're an NFL player. I'm charging you some money on this. All right, I'm charging you some big bucks on this. You're not getting a free massage from me. <laughs> Uh, second of all, what kind of a Valentine's Day gift is that? I mean, look, I'm not the biggest expert when it comes to love and relationships. I'm not I'm not Dr. Laura Slushinger or anything. Uh, but just speaking logically, uh, you would think for this woman, maybe a good Valentine's Day gift would be to give your husband a massage for a change of scenery. I mean, I don't know. I'm just... I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking of ideas here. Don't go and get an NFL player to uh, for your husband to massage. That's not a gift. That's not a Valentine's Day gift. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. I mean, look, I get it. For some people, you can't give. Uh, you can't overdo. Or you you can't go over the top for a Valentine's Day gift. And some people do do it. And I don't really agree with that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I mean, I'm a single guy. I'm I'm, I'm in the market. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm chatting with a few ladies, uh, going out on dates here and there. So I'm not the biggest expert on these things. Maybe you guys know better. Let me know. Uh, Facebook.com slash Farzinvisugin. Twitter.com slash Farzin21. And my email, Farzin at Farzinvisugin.com. Do you guys agree with this lady? Is that a good idea for a Valentine's Day gift? Or could she have done something a little bit better? Let me know your thoughts on social media. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL.
Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk says that the Pro Football Hall of Fame should waive the five-year waiting period for certain players, and more notably, he mentioned Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and he said that as soon as they are done playing or coaching, uh, depending who it is, uh, Brady or Belichick, uh, they should immediately be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame a year, uh, either the year that they're done or a year after they are done with the game of football. And you know what? I've, I've got to agree with that. Now, he mentions that these two guys, as soon as their five-year waiting period is over, that they will be first ballot Hall of Famer. Listen, I honestly do not care who's a first ballot Hall of Famer and who's not. Uh, Terrell Owens, he probably should have gone in a little bit sooner. Uh, will Shield should have gone in a little bit sooner. Derek Thomas, it took him a very long time to get into Kenton. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say that my thoughts on the Hall of Fame for those guys is that they got in too late. I know Terrell Owens was not a fan of going in late, and he uh, refused to show up and have his own Hall of Fame ceremony. That's his call, but uh, listen, I, I, I don't care so much about who gets in first ballot and who doesn't. Let's be honest. In 30 years from now, are we going to remember honestly, are we going to remember that Tony Gonzalez was a first ballot Hall of Famer? Really? I, listen, there are so, so many great candidates People always complain, oh, this person got robbed, this person got robbed. You try being a voter for once. Put yourselves in the shoes of the voter. Which six guys would you pick? And don't pick the guys that you like just because they played for your team. you got to pick guys based on who the six best are. And it's very, very difficult for people to narrow it down to six. There's always a long list and they narrow it down gradually and it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Very difficult thing to do. Try it for once. It, next year when the list comes out of the top 15 or top 20, pick six from the list. Tell me if you think you would get any backlash if you were a voter for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Very difficult thing to do. Uh, not necessarily in the NFL, but still in the realm of pro football. The San Antonio Commanders of the Alliance of American Football, they had 29,176 fans in attendance this past weekend. That is more than any Chargers home game in 2018. Now, I gotta be fair, the Chargers do play in a soccer stadium, so there's a reason why they don't have a big turnout for a game. But even then, so many Chargers home games are filled with uh, fans from the visiting team. So even then, I still feel like this is somewhat of a fair report here. San Antonio Commanders of the AAF getting almost 30,000 fans in attendance, more than an NFL team out there. That is saying something, man. And listen, I hope the NFL does pay close attention to some of these attendance numbers because a team like San Antonio, if they are getting those kinds of numbers and if those kinds of numbers continue to happen for for attendance numbers as the AAF season goes along, I think the NFL has got to look at San Antonio and say, hey, look. The next time we consider expansion, if we need to move a football team or if we're going to have a new uh, team to join the the league, we got to consider San Antonio. That has to be a destination for these teams. It just has to be. Uh, There's obviously a turnout for fans and there's a demand for pro football in San Antonio. So got to consider San Antonio for a future NFL team. And the last thing I want to talk about here, Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, and the NFL have come to... An agreement on a settlement, which will remain private, apparently. People are criticizing Kaepernick, saying that he not only loses the legal battle, but he also gave up on what he believed in. 
Some say the NFL lost because they're paying a lot of money to Colin Kaepernick. All right, I'm going to give a hot take right now. Both sides lose here. Nobody won. Both sides lost for the reasons mentioned above. Listen, Colin Kaepernick, I don't know if he went through with his belief. And look, whether you agree or not, he still had a strong belief in this. What is the settlement here? What what did they? Pro- how much money are they giving him to begin with? And is there a promise that hey, look, we'll tell teams to pursue you? And then from the NFL side of thing things, look, they, they took a lot of bad PR from this. Like, listen, I again, I don't care what your stance is on this uh, national anthem protest. No logical person can disagree that Colin Kaepernick sh- should absolutely be on a team, even as a backup. He's way better than a lot of backups and even a few starters in the NFL today. And the the numbers just show it alone. He's got somewhat of a good good resume. Now, look, given that he's been out of the league for a long time, but there have been quarterbacks that have been absent from the league for a few years, but they still end up getting jobs over Kaepernick. So I don't want to use that as a reason. But I think this whole legal battle or whatever with the NFL, I think it really continues, regardless of what happens right now, I think it just continues to hurt his chances of coming back to the NFL. Listen, he's going to get a lot of money from the NFL, and he's making a lot of money with Nike. I think Colin Kaepernick will be okay. Let's go out of bounds. ESPN's David Seanfield wrote a very interesting article that, uh, looking back at Manny Machado's massive 10-year deal, $300 million deal with the Padres. And he said that it could be a ripple effect for guys like Bryce Harper and other baseball players in the future, such as Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, two players who will be free agents in two years. Uh, we are seeing this kind of a thing potentially with Patrick Mahomes to be the first player to earn a $200 million contract. But even then, someone, uh, whether he is better than Mahomes or not, they're going to beat Mahomes' deal. Let's assume Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback to get a $200 million contract. Someone's going to top it. You're going to say, who's better than Mahomes? You don't have to be better than Mahomes. You don't. Because look at Derek Carr. He got a uh, an NFL record-breaking contract in 2017. And then a week or so later, Matthew Stafford broke Derek Carr's record for biggest contract in NFL history. Guess what? Derek Carr's never played an NFL playoff game before. And Stafford, he's 0-3 in playoff games, yet they both earned record-breaking deals the same offseason. Listen, as long as you have somewhat of a good resume, as long as you're somewhat uh, of an elite player... Uh, you have a chance to get a massive deal. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. The guy's hardly played football. And he got, what, a five-year deal worth $127.5 million, if I remember correctly? That's insane for a guy who's barely played. Uh, and now we're seeing this in other sports right now. And, and we're seeing it in baseball. Manny Machado with a crazy big deal. And we could potentially see this in the NBA as well. It's very interesting. Something very interesting to keep an eye on. Also, Nike's Adapt BB Shoes were released, and they came out with uh, some interesting technology behind these shoes. These shoes have laces on them, but you don't ever tie them. Instead, you just simply put your foot in the shoe very easy and quick, and you use an app to tighten or loosen the laces. Now, 
there have been a lot of complaints coming in that the shoelaces are not getting loose, they're not getting tight, and basically the app is malfunctioning uh, to the point where it has very, very, very low ratings on app stores uh, because the app is not functioning properly and customers are rightfully so livid. These are $400, $500 shoes, even more, depending what type of Adapt BB shoe you're getting. Now, they're saying that a software update is what's causing the malfunction, preventing customers to use the auto-lacing feature properly. Listen, man, here's what I'll say. This is the first time we've ever seen such thing out there. It is its first generation. A first generation for anything, such as in uh, the Apple Watch when it first came out. I would never buy an Apple Watch uh, on its first release. I would let it be on the market for a couple of months, and if we're hearing positive things about it, hey, then go buy one. If... You hear a lot of negative things about it. Well, then stay away from it because it's a lot of money and it's not working out. They say that they have testers before they release it uh, in the market. But those testers, I mean, they give it to them very easily. And it's not like they go through what a normal person would go through for usage for a long period of time. Yeah, sure, everything brand new works great in the beginning. But gradually, some of these things start to uh, wear off a little bit. They go through the wear and tear and they start to not work as they're supposed to. This is a good example of them. And again, with the iPhone, when the iPhone first came out, uh, there was no other kind of smartphone. And at the time, people were kind of skeptical uh, about that. They Not many people were buying iPhones. Now, you see long lines for whatever generation iPhone is coming out. And for those who are not iPhone owners... Uh, Samsung Galaxy, uh, Google Pixel, as soon as a new one of those comes out, you see people in line for those because they know that these things are going to work. And any glitches that come through, there's going to be a software update that will help alleviate and fix those issues. So, look, I'm not a big fan of buying first-generation items right away. I say let it stay on the market and let all these other crazy people buy them first. Hear what people are saying, then go out there and get it for yourself. Last thing I want to touch on here. George St. Pierre, UFC fighter, announced his retirement, unable to agree to a super fight with Habib Nurmagomedov, who called him out after becoming the lightweight champion. But George St. Pierre uh, still going to ride off into the sunset on a high note, finishing with a record of 26-2. Took a four-year sabbatical, not a retirement, never retired. Uh, more of a sabbatical, just a quiet absence. He came back, he defeated Michael Bisping, at the time, Bisping had the most wins in UFC history, and in doing so, George St. Pierre became the UFC middleweight champion. He won titles in two different weight classes, arguably the best welterweight of all time, and despite the two losses, he avenged those losses. That's what makes him one of the best ever. He's defeated every fighter he has ever faced, many of them in their prime, at their peak. Now, who is the Michael Jordan of the NBA? Is it Anderson Silva or is it George St. Pierre? You could make a valid case for both. One of them's the uh, the Michael Jordan of MMA. The other one is the Kobe Bryant or LeBron James of MMA. Very reasonable case for both fighters as to who has uh, what uh, counterpart in the NBA. But either way, George St. Pierre, again, I think him and Anderson Silva, the, the two best to ever do it, Retiring one of the best to ever do it, and we are seeing one of the best in a sport. Hang it up. Great career for George St. Pierre. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. 
This is very interesting. Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert says Ben Roethlisberger is the quote unquestioned leader of the locker room and that he pretty much has the freedom to publicly criticize his teammates if he wants to, if he thinks it is the right move to do. Here's a quote from him. He's the elder statesman and the Super Bowl winner. If our players were smart, they'd listen to him because he's been there. He's done it. Uh, also mentioned they won't tag Bell and Antonio Brown. Uh, boy, those tweets that he liked insinuating of the rape allegations for Roethlisberger. I mean, that's insane. That is really insane. But to say that Roethlisberger just has all the power in the world to say whatever, l- let me just turn things around. Now, look, I know Patrick Mahomes is not a Super Bowl champion yet, but what if Mahomes public- publicly criticized Tyreek Hill or Travis Gel- Kelsey for dropping a couple of passes in a game. I mean, I don't know if Chiefs fans would would like hearing that from Mahomes, given what we think of Mahomes and what we what, what, just basically all the good things we hear about him. I don't know if Chiefs fans would would like that. Listen, I don't know really where Kevin Colbert's coming from to say that Roethlisberger just pretty much has free say and saying whatever he wants about his teammates publicly. Uh, okay, if you never want a Super Bowl again. While Roethlisberger's your QB, if you want a locker room divide, it's your funeral, man. Go ahead and have it that way. This is just absolutely brutal. So Georgia and Mississippi State uh, played a college basketball game recently, tied at 67 with half a second left. uh, A Mississippi State player misses a free throw, and I guess a Georgia fan in celebration threw a teddy bear, a stuffed animal, into the uh, into, into the court. And because of that, Georgia got a technical foul. And even before the uh, technical foul, the Georgia coaching staff, they both, uh, they all got on their feet going crazy. Why would anyone throw a, a teddy bear onto the court? That led to a technical foul for Georgia. So more free throws for Mississippi State. And Mississippi State went on to lose 68-67. Man... Whoever that fan is, dude, you suck. You absolutely suck. Now listen, there are plenty of reasons, a lot of variables that lead to wins and losses, but in a game like that, coming down to the wire, is that necessary? I mean, are we are we that dumb that, that someone is throwing a teddy bear? Well, well, first off, why do you have a teddy bear? Uh, was this one of those uh, events where they had the teddy bear uh, uh, donation? charitable event i mean usually you see that around christmas time uh why why do you even have a teddy bear to begin with uh and if even if it was for that for that charity event why is it with you it should be uh, by that time in the game it should be in a bag getting ready to to chip out the charities uh why do you even have a teddy bear with you that's embarrassing how funny would it be if it was actually a kid who threw the teddy bear and he's the one who caused Georgia to lose the game. That would have been really bad. Uh, speaking of really bad, Ronda Rousey swung. Uh, she's, uh, for, of course, former UFC champion and now with the WWE. I believe she's a champion now in WWE. But anyway, she swung at air because, let's be honest, WWE wrestlers or superstars, whatever they're called, uh, a lot of times they don't actually hit their opponents. They're swinging at air. And these guys are trained to the point where they sell it really well. But Rousey goes for an uppercut, swinging at air, 
And her opponent, someone said her opponent's name is Riot. It's a very interesting name. Uh, she sold it terribly. Uh, it's one of those that you you really need to see it. I posted it on Facebook, so if you haven't, go check it out. I, I tweeted it to someone in response as well. Uh, it's embarrassing, man. You cannot do that kind of thing in WWE. Uh, you just can't. Oh, look, I like picking on Rousey, but she and her opponent, they should have timed that a little bit better. I'd be very interested in knowing, by the way, these WWE superstars, do they practice these kinds of things, or do they just have a script and they... Just go out there and do some sort of improv. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I've been a fan of pro wrestling before. I watch it occasionally. Uh, but I'm not quite sure exactly how all of that works in terms of... I mean, they know the result. It, it, it's all it's already determined. But how do they decide how long a match goes on for? Or who does what finishing move at what time? I'm interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, if anyone is a pro wrestling fan and knows that stuff, please tell me. Because I'd be interested in knowing that. So here's another reason why Travis Scott sucks. He was terrible during the halftime show at the Super Bowl, which I thought Maroon 5 was doing a good job until he got in. Uh, But man, he did something else. It got on TMZ. Several other websites touch on this. Barstool Sports. A lot of websites mention this. Travis Scott performed at uh, downtown Kansas City at the Sprint Center on Sunday night. He concluded his show by saying... St. Louis, I love you. Get home safe. No further comment on that. No further comment. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, I'll I'll admit, though, if I was ever a musician and you're always on the road a lot, that would be a fear of mine uh, to say the wrong city. Uh, That would be a big fear of mine. But look, you're a pro, man. You got to do better than that. You absolutely got to do better than that. Now, before we wrap up here, I promise you guys... That I do something that I've been looking forward in doing. I have gathered a lot of mean comments fr- that you guys have sent from Twitter. Mostly mostly Twitter. But we've expanded to other social media platforms as well. So for the first time ever, probably the only time ever. Uh, gathering some uh, comments over the years. And some very recently. We are doing a first ever Chiefs Zone edition of Mean Tweets. Quote, your name is Farzeen. So, dot, dot, dot. Then I responded, I said, what's your point that my name is Farzeen? He goes, my point is, your name is dumb and your mustache is stupid. You look fat and ugly. Uh, first off, guy tweeting, the guy tweeting isn't even tweeting with his real name nor a photo of himself. Yet he's picking on me for how I look and what my name is. Um, second thing, this is not a mustache that I have. This is a goatee. There's a very big difference. By the way, his name is Go Pats Go, and he's got a picture of Tom Brady. Very easy, hiding behind Tom Brady. Uh, very easy thing to do. By the way, that picture that you see uh, of me on Facebook and Twitter, I lost 20 pounds when that picture was taken, and I've lost 20 more since then. Uh, but hey, uh, by by the way, the guy used the wrong your. That's going to be a theme in this uh, Mean Tweet segment. Uh, here's another one. Hey, a-hole, you're drunk idiot. Uh, terribly written tweet, and also the wrong your. By the way, fake Andy Reid responded to this tweet and said, quote, idiot's gonna idiot. Uh, here's another one. Your podcast sucks. I unsubscribed. This was tweeted to me several years ago, back when, um, over a difference of an opinion, by the way, someone tweeted this to me 
This was at the time where I actually stepped away from podcasting and I thought I was permanently done. And I don't know. Did you unsubscribe from reruns of the podcast? I'm confused. So uh, it's quite interesting. (laughs) Uh, Here's another one. I am a diehard fan and almost exclusively listen to NFL slash Chiefs podcast. This one is decent. But there are some some disturbingly wrong takes. And the intro music is corny. I want to die. I don't have anything else to say about that one. This one I got to set up. This is a Facebook post. So I posted the uh, video of Laura Ingram of Fox News going after LeBron James because LeBron went after uh, Donald Trump. That was her infamous shut up and dribble uh, segment. And... uh, Anyway, without going into details, I posted the uh, the video and I simply, no opinion, I just asked you guys, what do you think of Laura Ingram's comments? Uh, Somebody commented and said, oh yeah, you sound really intelligent. She went to college to do what she does, idiot. It was not about millions, only a idiot like you who probably has no dreams to aspire to would think that. Really? Only a idiot. Here's the problem. Uh, again, she used. Uh, did she use the wrong "your" in this one? No, she didn't. But she still had terrible grammar. When you're gonna go- call someone an idiot, use proper grammar at least, uh, because then you no one can respond to you that you're an idiot. Um, by the way, I went to college and graduated also, so I appreciate that. I've got two degrees. Uh, here's another one. So I told people to relax about the Tony Gonzalez comment about how the Falcons made his career. One fan didn't take it well. He wrote, dude, STFU, he's no longer in the NFL. He can state whatever he wants. I never said anything about this, by the way. He can say whatever he wants or, in other words, how he really feels. So don't tell KC fans to calm down. Don't be a dumbass as well. I responded and said, you sound really mad. Then the donkey responds and says, yes, but you're still ignorant. Wrong, you're, by the way. Uh, you should do some research before you post dumb bl- uh, dumb stuff. I don't even know what he's exactly referring to. I quoted Gonzalez on this, and I just simply said, hey, people shouldn't be that upset over this. And apparently me telling people not to be upset is a bad thing. So, hey, I'm sorry if you're angry about Tony Gonzalez's comments. Stay angry. Uh, I mean, why, why do I care? All right, this is the last one. You suck. Your tweets suck. Your podcast sucks. Your takes suck. Go back to Iraq. LOL. LMFAO. First off, the LOL and LMFAO. A little redundant there. Uh, second, I'm from Iran, not Iraq. There's a big difference, by the way. Uh, look, these are the types of tweets I get. Not as much. But occasionally, I mean, that's 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 the life of Farzi Vesugian on social media. Uh, look, I, I, don't, I don't get too upset about these i used to a long long time ago and keep in mind i was 16 when i first hosted this podcast so i'm sure you can imagine uh, some of the comments i got i was like whoa uh but now it's like i, I end up laughing at these i remember once someone told me i was an idiot and used the wrong your there are plenty of those in my mentions on twitter and so i posted a screenshot of that on my facebook and all my friends thought it was hilarious my mom i was a ku student at the time my mom saw that and immediately called me and was like upset about this i'm like mom it's okay it's it's just people behind their keyboard. They don't even, they're not even brave enough to say it to you face to face. Can't even say it correctly behind a keyboard. Um, let me just say one, one thing while we're on the subject of this, because I'm trying to make a point here with the mean tweets. Um, a, a friend of mine, Tony Fagnano, 
he is an MMA writer, and I'm sure you heard his last name, Fagnano. Uh, somebody went after him and, and said, oh boy, your opinion's not only stupid, but you have the worst name ever. And so I kind of joined in on this. I said, buddy, you're not even tweeting with your real name. Why are you giving other people a hard time for what their name is if you're not even going to tweet with your name? Kind of like the uh, first tweet I read. And again, obviously the last tweet I read, you know, what somewhat of a racial comment there. Uh, a lot of people trolling. Uh, by the way, I don't try to block or quote-unquote one-up someone tweeting me just because they disagree on something. We can all disagree in a rational manner. Nothing wrong with that. But if they choose to be condescending about it, look, yeah, I will quote-unquote one-up them. Uh, I used to do that at least. Uh, now, when someone uses the wrong your and tells me I'm an idiot, yeah, it's a little fun to respond to. Uh, but here's what I'm doing. I've tried to make an effort to respond to every comment on social media, which not the smartest thing in the world from me. But look, I try to interact with all the listeners. That's what I try to do. But sometimes it leads to people trolling me. Uh, okay, whatever. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of uh, giving into that before. Uh, now, what I'm doing is, anytime someone just crosses the line, just acts whiny about something, I just block them. Uh, someone tweeted me, uh, his name is uh, Chiefs Daily 101 uh, Good follow on Twitter, by the way. And he told me, he said, hey, look, man, you got to block some of these people. I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. I, 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 if people criticize me for something and want to have a conversation about it, fine, I'm, I'm for it. But if anyone's going to be condescending or be a troll about it, yeah, now I'm just going to block them. Although the uh, re- responding to incorrect your usages, that is just too hard to not respond to. I, I mean, you've got to understand that. But here's the thing. I, I've been blocking a lot of people and I've blocked people over the years and people will tweet me speaking up for someone. Hey man, why'd you block this person? Listen, I have my reasons for for blocking people. Uh, The funny thing is people come after me and then they complain that I blocked them. Well, look, maybe if you didn't behave like a child and you approached a conversation like a grown adult, maybe I wouldn't block you. I I mean, I have a reason for doing so. I've managed to live a positive and healthy lifestyle for the most part in my life and I want to add on to that a little bit more. And I think blocking any of those kinds of negative comments on social media does so listen i mean i've read some of the comments on there some of the racial comments uh, they're not the most friendliest but i've learned to laugh at them i really have over the years um but nowadays i'm just learning and as the uh uh, listener who tweeted me mentioned this best course of action just block them uh look i've had even even friends text me they're like dude uh, do you need me to stick up? I'm like, no, please do not stick up for me on this. I can fight my own battles on these kinds of things. But now, uh, and they even asked me, they're like, how do you handle this? I'm like, bro, it's the internet. It's, it's, it's a tablet. It's a keyboard. It's a smartphone. People are talking behind. They don't, they're not brave enough to say this face to face. But some people, uh, they have nothing better to do. So they're on social media trying to start fights. Uh, that's quite a life. Some people are living quite a life. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Big thanks to all of you for downloading and listening to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. No promises. I know I said we'd be on a break next week, but there is a very good chance that we've got a guest coming on. Uh, I can't promise anything, but I can promise at the very least that I'm going to try very, very, very hard to make this happen. Like I said at the beginning, wheels are in motion, and there's a chance that this could happen. So, fingers crossed. And I will keep you guys posted on social media. So, very excited to bring this to you guys. And I'm pretty optimistic we can pull it off. So, bear with me. 
Uh, hopefully, I'll have more information on this soon. My name is Farzi Vasugian, Facebook.com slash Farzi Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Invite your friends, please. Follow me on Twitter at Farzi21. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And we'll try to continue expanding the podcast on several other podcasting websites as some of you guys have requested. I appreciate those that have let me know about those requests. Uh, I'll, I'll work very hard to make those happen as well. And like I said, stay tuned. We may have a surprise episode in sometime within the next week. I'll keep you posted. I'll talk to you guys on social media. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe.